You are listening to the Converge Media Network, uplifting our voices. everybody and welcome back to circling seattle sports on converge media i am your host as always charles hammaker here today uh not in studio today because of uh some things out of our control uh but of course the show goes on things continue our sports teams man um if you've noticed with with the accounts and the socials uh we've been busy we've been very busy and it's just gonna get busier from here as the spring rolls along so you know excited for that to continue on um and for some of these different league events and these games and these preseason to continue into regular season uh, and some teams maybe the postseason so with that uh we'll get into a team that's uh, kind of retooling to look forward to uh, a potential another postseason this upcoming year for them the seahawks uh this few days ago at the nfl combine pete carroll seahawks head coach provided some injury updates on a few players starting uh with middle linebacker jordan brooks he said that Brooks is doing really well, uh, but he also said that he did not have a specific timeline on Brooks's recovery. Uh, so that's a little bit uh, concerning to an extent. Um, strong safety Jamal Adams is making progress. Uh, Carol said he's doing some his he's doing his stuff. We'll see him in the next week or so in person. So we're anxious to get connected with them. But when he came out and visited with our guys and checked in, everything was going the way it was supposed to go. Uh, lastly, with tight end Will Disley. Uh, Carol said that he's recovering from what he called a quote unquote rare injury involving a bone on the outside of his knee. Um, he did believe that Disley would be able to make it uh, back to the Seahawks by the time that the time that training camp rolls around. So that's that's good news to hear, you know, um, less so good news with the rare injury as it as it uh refers to Disley, at least. I know that with Adams, uh, in addition to talking about that that quote that I mentioned, uh, Carol said that it was kind of a similar situation to uh, Jimmy Graham's patella, pat- patella tendon injury uh, when he was here with Seattle and that recovery and how some people don't come back from playing uh, with that injury or it just takes them out for in general uh, for a lot of things. Um, and then with Brooks, the, the, the no timetable is a little bit stressful, right? You'd like to have a better idea of what's going on and when guys might come back um, as opposed to just general vagueness. We don't know what's going on. We don't know when we'll see him. I guess the, the doing really well is something to hang your hat on. Um, in addition to that injury news, you know, with the, the combine being around uh, and we're approaching draft season, you know, the free agency market and all that stuff, uh, coaching hirings, stuff like that, it's been a busy uh, past week for the Seahawks, despite them being technically out of season. Uh, on the 28th, it was announced that the team lost associate head coach Sean Desai to the Philadelphia Eagles um, to take over as their defensive coordinator. Desai only spent one year with Seattle after being with the Bears. He was a big, big uh, acquisition coaching wise for Seattle. I know a lot of people talked about him potentially being a head coach one day or taking over a coordinator role. Uh, 
looking at that associate associate head coach spot uh, with the Seahawks and now going to Philly as Philly's lost a, a few a few coaches as well. So Seattle losing um, QB coach now that's been with Pete Carroll uh, over a decade. Um, Sean Desai as well. I know there was a few murmurings about a few other coaches, but I haven't heard updates on those. Uh, just Desai um, and and I believe it was yeah. So. That, that one's notice, notable. Also, center Austin Blythe announced his retirement. Uh, he had signed a one-year deal with the Seahawks in the offseason, started all 17 games with Seattle. Um, that one, you know, this was uh, the, the position of center was one that I looked at as one of need uh, in the offseason for the Seahawks. They really haven't had a lockdown at the center position since Justin, not just, well, I mean, you can consider Justin Britt, but even when Justin Britt was here, I had my, my issues with that. Um, but going back to Max Unger, right out of Oregon, uh, spending his time here, then eventually traded um, to the saints so you haven't really been able to lock down that center role in, in, a, in a good amount of time. And I know that a lot of people wanted us to take Creed Humphrey. He ends up with the Chiefs. And, you know, so I think that there's a nice man uh, out of Minnesota named Michael Schmintz um, who people have wanted. And I, you know, I don't see why you can't go um, with him with one of your top picks in the first few rounds. So, We'll keep an eye on that, but it is something that you'd like to obviously have addressed. Um, and then you can see it in the little corner there. It's been rumored. You know, we put out a, a post on it on our uh, socials. But the team is reportedly keenly interested in bringing back middle linebacker Bobby Wagner. Wagner uh, was signed to, a, I believe, a five-year deal with the Rams last offseason when Seattle had cut him. Um, and both the team of the Rams and Bobby Wagner decided to mutually part. And now he will, I believe at the beginning of the new league year on the 12th, um, he will become a free agent. So I, I well, and I think because of uh, something that those two sides did, he can actually talk to anybody right now. Um, so I don't know. That's a big deal. I mean, I don't think Bobby Wagner should have been cut in the first place. Um, everything around him, around that, whether it be him not being talked to prior to his release or, you know, just how that all went down, not asking him to take a pay cut if it was a money thing. You know, you talked about retooling and not rebuilding and you cut Bobby Wagner. If you're not rebuilding, why are you cutting Bobby Wagner? You know, so with the way that the linebacker position went last year, I think it's a no-brainer to bring back Bobby Wagner. Anybody that's opposed to this thing, I'd like to know why. Um, and if it's a money thing, that can be figured out. I'm not, I don't exactly think that Bobby needs to get paid. I know he represents himself. Um, but that and I mean the production side of things, the leadership side of things, I don't see why you wouldn't want Bobby Wagner back. So if you've got a disagreement, please feel free to let me know. We can have a civil conversation about it. But I think it's personally a no-brainer. Um, and then I talked about losing some coaches. Desai, you know, leaving the assistant head coach role. Um, the team on the 4th of March hired a new assistant coach. Uh, former Michigan State pass rush coach Brandon Jordan will be joining Seattle in a similar role. Uh, Jordan had just begun to make an impact. Um, with the Spartans where his reputation as a private trainer for some of the NFL's best sack artists had preceded him uh, in an unorthodox move. 
Uh, Michigan State head coach Mel Tucker added him to his staff back in January of 2022. So he really hadn't spent too much time in that role um, with the hope that Jordan would be able to amplify the pressure that the team applied to opposing quarterbacks from all sectors of the defensive side of the ball. Uh, Tucker had also hoped that Jordan would help the Spartans make inroads on the recruiting trail after he had become known for tutoring stars like Von Miller, Jadavian Clowney, TJ Watt, uh, amongst a few others. So um, sounds like Jordan's got a, a nice little pass rush. Um, sorry, this thing with the uh, the focus here. I'm terrible at these things. Um, that should help pass rush wise, you know, with, with some of these guys, you got some of the younger pass rushers, uh, hopefully maybe get LJ Collier sparked, you know, you got Boye Mafe. Um, yeah, sorry. I just remember when some dude left a weird comment, uh, about that name. Uh, but anyway, so no, it's, that's nice to see, you know, you like to see guys, I mean, having worked with guys like Vaughn, like Clowney, like Watt, uh, either Watt, you know, it's, it's a good sign. So, Glad on that end, but obviously, you know, that got to fill the role that Desai left. Uh, I know that when uh, the quarterback coach role opened, Greg Olson, not the tight end, former NFL tight end, now analyst Greg Olson, but a different uh, person named Greg Olson was hired to actually fill that role. So that role is filled. Um, but the associate head coach role, yeah, I got to see how that goes. So that's it for our Seahawks side of things this week. You know, we, we approach the draft still and, uh, would like to get a mock draft done or two, but we'll we'll see how that all plays out. Um, we move over to our Mariners, who are in the thick of things here with spring training. Things continue on. Um, they did make some moves to start to cut down the roster, so that is uh, that is starting to become a thing. Starting to see, we're getting rid of some of the storylines of the spring while some of them remain alive. So we'll start here with the past uh, seven games that the Mariners played uh, in spring training. Uh, beginning February 27th at the Chicago White Sox, a 10 to one loss. Our play of the game, first baseman, Evan White, Evan, uh, one hit, one run, one RBI, a solo shot for Mr. White there on the 28th versus Cleveland, uh, a nine to eight win. So a high scoring win. Seattle actually had to hold off Cleveland from coming back uh, in that game after the Mariners had mounted a nice lead. Our player of the game, right fielder, Teoscar Hernandez, uh, Teo, one hit, two runs, three RBIs, um, March 1st at the Chicago Cubs, a 3-5 to five loss. Our player of the game left fielder, Jared Kelnick, JK, two hits, one run, and one RBI. On March the 2nd versus the San Diego Padres, a 5-4 to four win. Um, oh, sorry, trades are going on here. Uh-oh. That does not involve us. Okay, thank goodness. Sorry. Um, where was I? March the 2nd, yes, versus San Diego. A 5-4 to four win, our player of the game, third baseman, A. Eugenio Suarez. Gino, one hit, one run, and one RBI. A solo shot for Gino in that one. We move over here to the last three games of the past week. March 3rd at the Arizona Diamondbacks, a 6-3 to three win. Our player of the game shorts up Mason McCoy. McCoy, three hits, one run, and one RBI. A nice three-hit day uh, for the shortstop who spent most of all last season, I believe, with the Tacoma Rainiers. March 4th versus the Colorado Rockies, a 7-1 to loss. Our player of the game, third baseman, Jake Shiner. Shiner, one hit, one run, one RBI, and a solo homer in that one. And then March 5th at the Milwaukee Brewers, a 6-1 to win. Um, our player of the game, center fielder, Jared Kelnick, a two-hit, two-run, one RBI day. And it's not listed on there because it actually ended up just before we started to record these, these, 
<laughs> so we can uh, go and take a look at it. Now the Mariners played the Chicago Cubs. It is Monday. Um, they lost that one six to two against the Cubbies. Let's go here to find our player of the game. See what we can do. Uh, Cal, maybe no, I'll go. Cade Marlowe, Cade Marlowe, two hits, one run, one RBI, and a solo shot for Marlowe. Um, two for three day, pretty good for the young outfielder who actually made the Mariners postseason roster, uh, this past year. So, um, five and six so far through spring training. Again, this, the uh, I think we reiterated it last year, but. You know, it's it's never about the results of the game necessarily with spring training. You'd like to see the resolve of a team come through and all that, blah, blah, blah. But the storylines are mainly what we look at for spring training. Um, one of them being Jared Kelnick, who is my player of the week. Uh, Jared, a 412 batting average before this that Cubs game ended. I don't even know if he was in uh, the lineup for that game. I don't believe so. Um, oh, hold on. Things are happening again. Um Oh boy. Oh boy. Oh boy. We're going to have to stop and go back to the Seahawks segment. The Seahawks and quarterback Geno Smith are finalizing a three-year contract extension worth $105 million uh, with the ability to earn $52 million in the first calendar year. Um, Wow. Okay. Um, That is via Jordan Schultz. Um, So, and then Michael Sean, uh, Michael Sean Duggar reported that as well. One of the uh, beat reporters for the athletic. Um, so that's a big deal for Gino and the Seahawks. Uh, huh? Okay. Shoot. This is things happening during the show. Isn't, isn't very nice. Um, we got a, we're on a time crunch. So we're going to go back to JK here, Jared, a four twelve batting average uh, before Monday. Five runs, four homers, which led all of spring training, a 412 on base percentage, and a 1.530 OPS. Uh, we're going to get this out of the way here just in the beginning for the the Kellen Gatters. I get it. I get that he's had back-to-back years that have, have relatively struggled. Um, but all things considered, I mean, even with this, you know, I don't, I don't want to put out that Jared is all the way back, that he's here, blah, blah, blah. It's a it's a marathon, not a sprint, especially in spring training. You know, with a guy who really isn't very old. Um, I mean, baseball wise, you know, and life wise, obviously. Um, I just I, I wish people a lot of a lot more of them. You know, there is a good amount of contingent that are actually intelligent and know not to, you know, make a conclusion already on Jared. Um <sighs> He's got the raw power. He obviously wants to win. You know, the, that that mentality shouldn't be doubted. It's just about putting it together and probably taking taking his mind out of everything, right? I think that was something that Scott Service said at one point uh, was that to, to take his mind off of things and slow it down a little bit, you know? So I continue to put my full trust in Jared. I don't, I'm not going to say he's going to come out and have like an MVP type year, but I think he can be a solid contributor for the Mariners this year. And with the ability that he has, I believe he should be your most consistent player in left field. I think he's going to be that left fielder. I know that they've talked about a platoon for the Mariners this year there. Uh, that's fine and great and all, but I just think Jared Kalnick's who's going to be Jared Kalnick's going to be the guy uh, there who really steps in and earns that um, position there. Um, yeah, sorry, we're getting more con- reports that deal. 
is being confirmed. Three years, $105 million. Oh, God. Jeez, that's a lot of money. Um, yeah, we'll have to look at that more uh, next week. Um, but glad I guess we caught that right now. Uh, we move over here to the 28th of February when the Mariners as a team earned three honors at the Seattle Sports Star of the Year Awards. Uh, Ken Griffey Jr., who you can see there hugging Ichiro in that photo by Liv Lyons. Um, Ken Griffey Jr. earned the Royal Brome Sports Legend Award. Julio Rodriguez earned the Men's Sports Star of the Year Award in the city of Seattle. And the team itself for their drought-breaking year um, earned the Sports Story of the Year, obviously breaking that uh, 20-plus year playoff drought, the longest in uh, the more the the major quote unquote American sports. Uh, so that was yeah. I mean, it makes sense. It makes a lot of sense. Um, I'd say all three of those awards make a lot of sense. Um, I would have liked to put the rain uh, winning the title up there with that, but considering the length of the drought and such, I understand that. We look over here towards March 5th uh, when the team. I talked about them cutting the roster down a bit. Um, and really starting, well, I say a bit, it's only four players and they're still at 71 now. Uh, the overall roster, the team assigned four players to minor league camp, right-handed pitcher Travis Kuhn, left-handed pitcher Blake Wyman, and catchers Jake Anchia and Matt Scheffler. So 71 players, 40 of them rostered players, 31 of them non-roster invitees. And as we get probably through the next few days and obviously weeks, uh, that'll continue to cut down here. Um, as we continue throughout the rest of spring training. Uh, a little bit of league news here. Uh, the Dodgers are favored for Shohei Otani. Shohei sweepstakes have an early leader after LA's offseason moves, and it appears to be um, that may be a place. I mean, I get it. I know he wants to win, and it wouldn't be too far of a move, obviously, but I'd love Shohei to be here, you know, personally. So I don't know. We'll see. Uh, looking ahead for the Mariners, you see the record in the bottom. Obviously, with today's result, it should be five to six. I digress. So they'll get tomorrow off. Tuesday is a day off. Then uh, they'll get back to the action on March 8th at the L.A. Dodgers, a 5.05 p.m. Pacific time start. Uh, March 10th versus the Cincinnati Reds, a 12.10 p.m. start. March 11th at the Colorado Rockies, a 12.10 p.m. start. And then March 12th versus the Texas Rangers, a 1.10 p.m. start uh, for that game as well. You can see there with the Dodgers game, we're kind of getting into where they're not all in the morning anymore. They're kind of shifting them around and uh, they're coming as they are um, for those spring training days. So uh, we don't have anything storm related, kind of quiet on that front for the time being. We're into March, the, you know, the women's tournaments. Uh, for their conferences are picking up women's March madness, March madness is going to pick up. Uh, so that'll be exciting there. Obviously the storm uh, continue to be in a crucial time in the organization. Uh, I really think that we're going to have to see some actual draft picks make the roster this year, obviously different circumstances from last season, but yeah, continuing to build that roster, taking flyers on a lot of players who are injured or just haven't gotten the right opportunity necessarily. I think I still think the storm can make some noise, but. I digress. We'll see. Speaking of team making some noise, the Sounders continue the beginning of their 2023 regular season. Uh, they dismantled Real Salt Lake two to nothing. 
our player of the match, right wing back Alex Roldan, the younger Roldan brother, a 9.0 match rating, two assists, one shot on goal, an 86% passing percentage with two chances created. Uh, if you weren't able to, well, before I get to that, we'll go to our photo of the match here by Brian Saldana. Brian, with this night shot, you got the the fire going there in the background after Jordan had scored on that header. Jordan, obviously excited about that and the celebration. And then Real Salt Lake goalkeeper Zach McMath, not very happy uh, as he watches on. Uh, some some nice celebrations going on in the back there as well. Nice photo, by Brian, there uh, in his second game. Uh, for this uh, doing photography for us uh, at the Sounders matches. So uh, with Roldan, I mean, if you weren't able to watch those matches um, because of the Apple uh, MLS season pass crap, whatever. um, First of all, I would say to keep up with the coverage of the Sounders, uh, you should go and follow us on our socials, which I'll put below now uh, as I talk about Alex Roldan. Uh, the first assist that he had rolled on was going to cross it into the box and got blocked. And he kind of he, he fell right back into his lap. So he took a second to kind of recover, take a step back. And he had another ball in perfect spinning ball right into Jordan Morris between two Real Salt Lake defenders um, just out of the reach of McMath. Uh, he just dropped it, just like dropped it in like a claw machine, dropped the ball right in there uh, to Morris. And Morris, you know, obviously now three headers, uh, which is tied for the most that he's ever had in a season. And he's only two matches in. Uh, and he had those three headers the last time in the 2016 season. Uh, and he did so in 34 matches. So he's probably going to beat that. Who knows? Um, but it was a great start. I mean, it was a great start. After the first 10 minutes, you know, the Sounders and Real Salt Lake had a really sort of a feeling out period. Um, and then everything from there was all sounders, you know, whether it was passing, whether it was just completely, I mean, outside of a few shots here and there that Real Salt Lake got, it's like, like I said, very few, like less than a handful. Um, Seattle, <laughs> Seattle continues to look like what the MLS has gotten used to and where the words insufferable come from when describing the sounders because of how good they've played. Again, like I did in my articles and my write-ups, you want to hold your excitement to an extent, right? You don't want to just go full-blown um, yet, obviously. You know, with it being a long season, you know, you're trying to figure out who, which teams are which. But the next few opponents that Seattle has in Cincinnati and LAFC especially are going to be big tests to see. All right, we've seen this prowess displayed. What does it really mean? You know, put that metal, touch that metal. Um, so I had to keep my phone near me because we keep getting reports on things. Yep. That's the, yeah. Okay. The three-year deal, 105 million kids confirmed. All right. Um, <laughs> so no, it's, uh, it's exciting to see, you know, see uh, involvement all over, see Jordan Morris, uh, with three goals, Heber, um, with two now, um, so it's and and Red Bull Rui Diaz has only played two minutes over the course of the 180 that the Sounders have played in regular season play so far, and Obed Vargas still has to be added to this roster at some point. You know, so uh, that's a perfect segue to talking about our sort of injury related news on the 10th. I'm part of the 10th. We're going forward in time here on the fourth. Um, Raul Roy Diaz played the final 10 minutes in that match. Smetcher said that he could play the full 90 next week, but he doesn't know if he will. 
probably a cautionary thing there. And Obed Vargas was not available for selection against Real Salt Lake, but he wasn't listed as injured either. So it might be they're waning him back here. Um, with a, I, I believe the official injury designation for Vargas uh, was a quad injury. So we look over to team related notes here on the 28th. It was a, there's a rumor that the club is actively shopping center back Javier Ariaga around. Uh, there's been a robust market for his services, but Seattle is not in any imminent. Uh, they don't feel pressured to make that move happen sooner rather than later. Uh, and with the way that Jackson Reagan has been playing at ditches, uh, <clears throat> That move just continues to make sense if you're able to get something out of Ariaga there. Um, he hasn't, uh, I don't believe he played, he didn't play in the Real Salt Lake match, and I don't believe he played in the Colorado match. I could be wrong. I believe he might have been there. Um, but he hasn't started in either of those first two matches is also a point. So uh, something to note there with Ariaga, and that's a rumor, so I can't confirm anything. But um, also on the 28th uh, for his week one performance, Jordan Morris was named to the MLS team of the match day, which is just team of the week. I don't know why MLS renamed it uh, for his performance against Colorado. While teammates Christian Roldan and Nuhu earned spots on the bench, Morris had a 9.2 match rating, two goals, three total shots, two chances created in 85 minutes played. Roldan an 8.4 match rating, one goal scored, four shots, 81% passing, one chance created in 71 minutes played. Nuhu, an 8.4 match rating as well, 76% passing, four on five tackles, four out of five tackles, one, two clearances, two interceptions, and 10 recoveries in 90 minutes played. Uh, on today, the sixth, uh, Alex Roldan was named to the MLS team of the match day for week two. Um, we went over his stats when we talked about the Real Salt Lake win, while teammate Jordan Morris earned a spot on the bench. <laughs> So we talked about that. Um, also today, uh, there's a report that the club has signed defender Nuhu to an extension. The outside back uh, reportedly now has a deal that runs through at least 2026. Nuhu was in the final year of the guaranteed portion of his contract, but had an option for the year of 2024. Uh, there will probably be a decent raise for the outside wing back uh, from Cameroon, considering that he was uh, scheduled to make $300,000 this year uh, from the Sounders. So that is something to note there. Again, that hasn't been reported by the club yet, but that's what we've been heard. We've been heard. We've been told. So that is that for our Sounders. They are 2-0-0, two wins, no losses, no draws on the season. They are first atop the league and atop the Supporter Shield standing because of their goal differential, uh, and they're atop the Western Conference. Their next matchup against a team, an FC Cincinnati team, that is one win and one draw on the season uh, that is at FC Cincinnati with a start time of 4.30 p.m. Pacific on March 11th, which is a busy day for Seattle sports. I digress, uh, but that'll be a good matchup. Uh, Seattle has never played uh, at FC Cincinnati's home field, so that'll be the uh, first time they've met twice. And in those two matches that Seattle's played, the 2016 team, uh, I say that they joined the league in 2016, um, Seattle has one win over FC Cincinnati and one draw. Um, we now move over to our Kraken who, you know, since the all-star break hadn't things didn't look so good. You know, they had a, a rough month of February. 
you know, they they probably should have won that game against Boston here in Seattle. It was a tough one. They are the best team in the league, so I'm not stressed about it. I saw more positive than negative in that game, quite honestly. Um, but anyway, they went on a four-game road trip that, you know, it wasn't a, uh, you know, a walk in the park, but it wasn't exactly just an easy thing to do. Oh, pretty cool. Um, sorry, this is tough. When you got eight teams to worry about, there's all this news going around. Um, Four-game road trip, and they went 4-0 over the course of that four-game road trip. So we'll look at it here. On February 28th at the St. Louis Blues, a 5-3 win in St. Louis. Our first player of the game forward, Morgan Geeky, two goals, two points, one plus minus, two shots, and two blocks. His first multi-game Nope, multi goal. Nope, multi goal game as a Kraken, and then our second player of the game forward, Ellie Tolvanen. Tolvanen three assists, three points, three plus minus, one shot, one hit, two blocks. A real stat stuffer game there for Eel. Um, just an all. I mean, three assists. That's a big deal, um, and a three plus minus two to maintain that uh, value while you're on the ice. It was also Vince Dunn's 400th career game in the NHL fitting to do so against his former team in St. Louis. Uh, March 2nd at the Detroit Red Wings in Red Wings. Sorry, not Red Wings. Uh, what are we? Uh, Red Wings, the first game of a back-to-back. The Kraken won that one 5-4 to four in overtime. That was a tough game considering that Seattle really looked like the better team by far, and they just effectively left the door open for Detroit to come back. Our player of the game forward, Jared McCann. McCann, two goals, one assist. Three points, a three plus minus, uh, five shots, and one takeaway. A nice two goal performance there from Canner as Oliver Bjorkstrand uh, gets the game winning goal in overtime. On March 3rd, in the second game of that back to back, when they played the Columbus Blue Jackets, um, what is all this? There's so much stuff going on. Um, a four to two win. Our player of the game forward, Alex Wenberg, Wenny, one goal, one assist, two points, a two plus minus, one shot, two hits, and one takeaway for the crack in there. Uh, Brandon Tanev getting the late uh, empty net goal to put that one away. Uh, also, Jared McCann becomes the team's first 30 goal scorer ever in franchise history in that win over Columbus. And then March 5th at the Colorado Avalanche. This one was a tough one going into the final period. It seemed like the Kraken were not going to be able to pull this one through. Uh, But late into that one, I believe around three minutes left, Brandon Tanev gets the tying goal. And then overtime, Yanni Gord gets the game winner. Seattle wins that one three to two in overtime. Our player of the game forward, Jaden Schwartz, two assists, two points, a one plus minus, one hit, and one takeaway. This was... Well, before I get to talking about uh, that road trip, we'll go to our player of the week here. I went, I thought it was obvious considering the achievement that I mentioned. Our My player of the week is for Jared McCann. Canner, four goals, two assists, six points, a six plus minus, 17 shots, one hit, and two blocks over the course of those four games. And he becomes the first player in Kraken history to score 30 goals in one season. And obviously that's counting. So a nice season already mounting for Jared McCann there. Please do note that Jared signed a five-year extension last year. So Canada are already really becoming a team legend uh, in every sense. Um, so a pretty solid week for the Kraken. Uh, a four-game sweep. I believe it was, I think Allison Lukine said it was the third, third or fourth road trip that they've swept. I want to say fourth. 
I want to go with the optimistic side and say fourth, but this was a good road trip. Obviously you look at St. Louis, uh, you look at these teams, Detroit has, has seen a surge in, in recent memory in recent, uh, recent weeks, St. Louis traded some, you know, obviously Ryan O'Reilly getting traded. Um, St. Louis has struggled a bit. Um, Columbus, you know, they, they're doing what they can out there in Columbus. And Colorado is a team that also, after stumbling a little bit in the beginning of the season, uh, dealing with a lot of injuries, um, and I believe they're still dealing with injury, um, Colorado it really made it tough for Seattle, and they beat Seattle at uh, in Seattle in February, I believe. Uh, I think it was January, actually. Yeah, I think it was January. So point being, it wasn't an easy road trip, right? And so Seattle considering the race that they're in in the Pacific division, considering how critically important every single point is from them now with, I believe 18 games left in the regular season, it's, it's going to be a ride. It's going to be a really, really (laughs) tight ride. Um, And they say, put it the deadline. And that's what I wanted to talk about here is some, some (sighs) crapshoot podcast. Um, well, we'll go over the rumors first. There were rumors that the team was interested in Anaheim Ducks defenseman John Klingberg, um, as well as um, uh, shoot, 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 Philadelphia's James Van Riemsdyk. Um, Seattle did not make any moves. There was nothing that leaked out over the deadline. Uh, Seattle stayed put. And Ron Francis, in his press conference with the media, immediately following the deadline ending, basically re- re- reiterated that you know we're happy with this group. We think they've earned the chance to compete for the playoffs as a singular unit and not mess up any of that. And they're going to let them do that. And, you know, just considering everything I know he, he mentioned, he was like, Oh, well we added Megna, we added Burkowski in the summer and talked about the summer. And, you know, I still, th- <clears throat> excuse me. Yeah. I still think that you can add a defenseman. That's probably going to be in the off season um, to push one of the few guys out uh, in, in those top three deep pairings. Or maybe it's someone that's in Coachella Valley right now. Um, but I think anything that you would have gotten this year, uh, whatever you would have had to give up would have been too much. And it would have made sense to give up that much for a rental, as Ron Francis stated. And I think Ron Francis knows a thing or two about hockey and what he's doing, uh, considering where that Hurricanes organization is right now because of the way that Francis set that up. Anyway, Um it just wouldn't make sense. And considering the chemistry that this team has, the way that they fight for each other, why would you want to take that nice recipe that you've got and add an unknown component to it? I don't, I don't want to add things. I don't know into the food that I'm eating personally, you know? So there was anyway, this is where I get to that point with that crapshoot podcast talking about, we should have, we could have added a goalie or goaltending eye test, all that crap. The goaltending is not the problem here. Martin Jones is a problem. I won't say he's not a problem. He's he's gotten considerably worse over the past few weeks. But if you're talking about Philip Grubauer, I don't know what you're looking at anymore. I said this to a few friends I was with last night watching the game at Rough and Tumble. I you don't have Philip Grubauer in that game. You don't win that game. You know, obviously two goals against whatever. Uh, yeah. He since the the year of 2023 has begun, you know you could look at the Boston game, sure, um, and there were some dumb comments even from folks who were up on the press bridge, like, "Oh, they should have started Jones because of the way he played against Boston." That just doesn't make sense to me anyway. Um, Philip Grubauer is not the problem. 
we we talk about eye test. Maybe I have glasses, right? And I, I don't know what eye test you're looking at. You know what I mean? Uh, I was told to be more authentic. So if you're scared of the 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 toot in my voice, you're gonna have to deal with it. Um, you know, you you look at some of the times where Seattle is leaving defenders, uh, pardon me, uh, opponents right in the crease and not giving them any resistance, you know, and it leads into a tip in or they're able to just kind of live in that high danger area uh, without resistance from the defenseman off of Seattle. That's a problem. And that's always been a problem, whether it's also turnovers in your own in your own trapezoid, let alone your own defensive zone, turnovers at the blue line. You know, stuff like you're putting your goalies in bad position. And I, I could say that about Martin Jones when he wasn't playing horrible and the, when he wasn't, you know, having uh, free, free viewing lanes to pucks and uh, rebound control and all that sort of thing. But anyway, I just had to, you know, you, you want to be a source for news. You want to be somewhere that people want to go and actually listen to you talk. Why would you, one, just be negative all the time, as a friend of mine mentioned, but two, just be completely wrong about things anyway uh <laughs> we'll move on uh here to look at the upcoming games for our kraken they sit at a 36 win 21 loss six overtime loss record uh they fit fit they sit at third place in the pacific division at 78 points on the year uh looking ahead over the course of the next week they play three games at home the first being tomorrow, Tuesday, the 7th versus the Anaheim Ducks at 7 p.m. Pacific time. The next one, March 9th versus the Ottawa Senators at 7 o'clock. And then March 11th versus the Dallas Stars at 7 o'clock. Some tough ones there. You got a divisional matchup against a uh, Ducks team that struggled this year. Ottawa uh, making a big splash, obviously, with their trade acquired. Um, their trade with Arizona before the deadline uh, and some talent on that Ottawa roster. And then the Dallas stars come to town playing Dallas for the first time. Dallas, one of the better teams in the Western conference as well. So that will not be easy. We look at uh, our next team here with the OL rain who uh, held their media day, their first ever media day uh, on last Monday. Um, we've got some stuff for you there. I should be getting at those this week. And then uh, in the, excuse me, other team-related news. The team announced that they were going to participate like last year uh, in a preseason tournament down in Portland. Uh, the Rain announced they will participate in a preseason tournament hosted by the Portland Thorns at Providence Park, joining Racing Louisville and the U.S. Under-23 Women's National Team beginning uh, on March 12th and lasting through the 18th. All four of the teams involved will play each other at least once in this invitational tournament. You can see the dates on your screen now. Sunday, March 12th, the rain will take on the U.S. under-23 uh, women's national team at 2.30 p.m. Wednesday, March 15th, Louisville versus Oil Rain at 5 p.m. Pacific time. And then Saturday, March 18th, the Portland Thorns versus the Oil Rain at 7.30 p.m. PST. So we'll uh, remind you when those games take place. Unfortunately, they will not be streamed. Uh, so there won't be a feed on there unless someone else, uh, some other media uh, goes down to cover it uh, down in Portland. But outside of that, yeah, we will not have any, uh, we will not have any coverage of that outside of probably posting final scores. So we go over here to the next piece of rain news on the 28th. Like the Mariners were honored at the Seattle sports star of the year awards. Uh, rain midfielder Rose Lavelle earned the women's sports star of the year award. She was not there uh, to receive the award. Actually, 
while um, head coach Laura Harvey was there and she gave a speech in Rose's honor. Um, in a little bit less exciting news and news that's a little interesting, on the 5th of March, the club announced that general manager Nick Pereira is leaving the reign. Pereira informed the club of his plans to depart and will pursue new opportunities at the end of the month. Under Pereira's management, the club won the 2022 edition of the Women's Cup and finished first in the NWSL regular season, clinching the NWSL Shield for the first time since 2015. Um, he joined the club last year as well, so it's a little interesting to hear all this. Uh, the Reign will launch a search for a new general manager in the coming days. Um, I don't know. This is this is something interesting. I don't know if anyone expected this. Um, I know that when when Pereira was brought on, you know, and I even asked him this when I interviewed him, um, it was interesting for someone who didn't have that general manager experience in the NBSL to take that role. Um, but I don't know, kind of sums me, you know, because I don't know if anyone saw this coming. You know, we just had media day. Uh, it's preseason. <sighs> You know, there was the moves of Luani in the offseason. Emily Sonnet acquired via trade. Um, at least Bennett acquired via trade. You know, you just wonder why. You know, maybe it, I don't know. It's a quick pit stop, I guess, in his in Pereira's career, you know, having done a good amount of stuff. Um, whether it's beach soccer, the Tacoma Stars. Um, so yeah, I'm I'm kind of stumped by it, to be honest with you. Um, so I'll I'll have to I'll, I'll be interested to see where the rain go with that position and who ultimately um, takes over that role. So it's 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 still a big year uh, for the rain, you know. So not having someone like Pereira there, um, I, I don't know. Just losing your general manager in the preseason as well is. Uh, it's interesting. I'm I, like I said, you can tell I'm pretty, I'm kind of stumped by it. So um, we look over at some league news. Some that's kind of exciting and it might get me to uh, play the game again. It's been a while um, on the sixth EA sports uh, announced. Well, there was an announcement that EA sports furthers commitment to women's football with national women's soccer league and national women's soccer league players association partnerships. So starting on March 15th, across all platforms, uh, all 12 NWSL teams will be present within kickoff tournament mode, head-to-head -head season, co-op seasons, and online friendlies. Also available in this year's edition of FIFA uh, will be four stadiums from the NWSL along with authentic kits, uh, star heads. I don't know what that means. I haven't played the game in a while. Uh, trophies and celebrations. You've got this photo here of some of the rain players. Uh, you can see, I believe it's Sophia Rose Quinn and Fallon Tullis Joyce there in the game at Lumen field, which is pretty exciting to see, you know, I, I might play the game personally. I would have liked to see them in an ultimate team thing. That was always what I did uh, in the game, uh, but certainly can get down with the tournament mode, the kickoff, obviously head to head season. I was never very good at FIFA, so I don't know if I'll do that. Um, but nice to see that the NWSL will be included in that. I know that with some of the addition um, of some of the other leagues in women's football, um, there was wondering about when the NWSL would be there, and now we know when that'll be, uh, starting on the 15th of March, so in about nine days here. So um, this is where we'd look at upcoming, obviously with that tournament that we just mentioned, that will be what we have to look forward to. Um, 
beginning on Sunday. So I guess Sunday is that Sunday, March 12th versus the US US U23 women's national team at 2.30 p.m. Pacific time. Moving along here, we head over to our Seawolves, who uh, will have now begun the season 3-0 and for the past two years, both the first times in franchise history, so the second time in franchise history when they did it this year. They travel over to Dallas to play the Jackals, winning that one 35-10, our player of the match, number eight, and team captain, Rickard Hadding. Hadding, two tries scored, 14 ball carries, and 131 running meters. It also said on the MLR website, that Hadding had scored 29 total points. Um, that's kind of a, I don't know if that's true. If someone can verify that, please let me know. I have to, again, admit that I'm not the most perfectly versed when it comes to the game of rugby, so I'm not quite sure um, if he actually scored 29 of those points. Uh, but a big game from the captain as well, and there's probably a reason that he's the captain. Um, so, yeah, no, it's it's really exciting to see the Seawolves, you know, again, I said it in the offseason, you know, with the way that they played last year, even before they were able to get into the playoffs, I was excited and happy with the way this season had gone. Right. Then they made the playoffs and then they won two matches in the postseason to get to the MLR title match against New York. They didn't win that one, but then they were able to add some talent in the offseason and keep a lot of this group together. You know, Jordan Chite's been very, uh, important to this team you know you've got the the austin guys and connor mooneyham mason peterson um jake turnbull you know uh you bring guys like um taylor crumry back charles elton you know so they they made some i thought pretty important moves over the course of the off season um and they're putting things together. I'm not saying that this team is perfect yet. They're not quite steamrolling teams, but they'll have a good contest uh, this next week here at Starfire. So something to keep note of. Um, but again, I'm, I'm not surprised. You know, it's a good thing. This is a good thing. Uh, and some of us, I'm not going to say I saw this coming, but it makes a lot of sense that this is happening. So continuing with Seawolves news on the 28th, four players were named to the MLR first 15 players for their top, uh, for the top performers of week two, Rhino Herbst, Rickard Hatting, JP Smith, and Jordan Chite. You can see Rhino Herbst there with teammate Ben Landry. Um, Herbst stats over the course of week two, eight tackles made, 54 meters run, and 14 ruck arrivals. Hatting stats, two tries scored, 10 ball carries made, and 135 meters run. Excuse me, Smith stats over the past week, uh, sorry, week two. One try scored, 97 meters run, and eight tackles made. Lastly, with Chite stats, 12 points scored, nine tackles made, and nine kicks in play. J.P. Smith is another guy. You know, you look at this roster, uh, it was incredibly talented. Duncan Matthews is, you know, this is a Seattle team, man. Seattle's good at rugby. If you're not a, I know there are a lot of um, my friends in the Kraken community, you know, are excited about rugby. Please get excited about this team. You know, the two-time champs, you know, probably one of the most accomplished franchises in MLR, you know, uh, winning the first two championships and, and then making it to the championship last game, last year. It's good to be a Seawolves fan. It's good to, to cover this team as well. So we look ahead. Uh, the team sits at a 3-0 and record. They sit at second in the league overall in terms of points and second in the Western Conference behind the Houston Sabercats, who they take on March 11th versus Houston. Houston's 3-0, and Seattle's 3-0. and Something's got to give. 
the beginning of that match is 7.30 p.m. Pacific time. That match, uh, it says it's on Rude Sports regionally, but I don't know if that's true, considering there's a Kraken game that day, I believe I said. I mean, look back. Yeah, there's a Kraken game that day, so I'm not sure. That might be on, like, Rude Sports Plus, but I know a very helpful tool to watch these Seawolves games if you go to, it's this is all the URL, therugbynetwork.com. They are great for that. Um, and somewhere you can watch, uh, I think, most all of the Seawolves matches uh, during the course of the season. So we head over here now to wrap up with our Seed Drag. Oh, wait. Before we get to our Sea Dragons, um, at those Seattle Sports Star of the Year Awards, I had the great opportunity to speak with two Seawolves players. Um, oopsie, it took those away from me. I'll have to get them back. I had to... I uh, had the opportunity to speak with hooker Alex Glover and wing Martin Yosefo. So we will get those back in here. Let me go and grab the Martin clip. I apologize. These were in here when we uh, were loading things up, and then now I'm looking here, and they're not there. So we'll start with our guy Alex here, and then we'll go to Martin. Seawolves player Alex Glover. Alex, excited to have you here. I know there's a lot of fanfare going on. What's the night been like for you so far? Um, you know, this is my first time here. Um, Martin Yosefo took me. Uh, shout out to him. Uh, he's been doing you know, a good job. He has to present. You know, I'm coming as a plus one, but uh, <laughs> a lot of sports people, you know, I've seen KJ Wright. You know, almost, you know I was almost uh, about to be a fanboy, <laughs> trying to get a picture and everything like that. But uh, yeah, I just said what's up. Uh, everybody's pretty cool. You know, um, very, a lot of stuff, you know, hasn't started yet, but uh, very, very formal. That's what I just said. So for those who maybe haven't come out to Starfire, like we've been talking about, right, haven't come out to a Seawolves game, don't even really watch rugby, what would your best pitch be to get them to come out to one of the matches this season? Really, it's just uh, one thing that I noticed, because I'm from the Bay Area, I'm from California, um, one thing I noticed is uh, sports fans come to a lot of stuff, you know, a lot of matches, a lot of games, you know, whether it's soccer, basketball, baseball, you know, it's something else, you know, in the winter slash spring and even now in the summer that you come out, bring your family, nice, easy sport. You know, you can talk to the players after and uh, just something that's growing in America in general. Can you kind of say that those Seattle sports fans, you talked about fans showing uh, up. I mean, the yeah. Seattle sports fans, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, I would probably say like in different areas, you get like there's different sports teams. You know what I mean? So like. For example, in baseball, like in the Bay Area, you got, you know, Giants and A's and stuff like that. So out here is just Seattle. There's nothing else. So I, that's why I think that people come out here, you know, and have a good time, you know, come to every game and just a real big sports fan. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you. Appreciate Thank you, boss. So there was. Oh, hello. There was Alex. And now we'll go over to our guy, Martin Yosefo. Uh, obviously, Seattle Seawolves, but also Team USA Rugby as well. We're here with Seawolves star Martin Yosefo. Martin, uh, I know you brought Alex to, to this event and you're presenting an award. What's tonight been like for you? Obviously, you got more to do later in the night, but can you just describe this sort of event with all these talented individuals here in this one spot? Yeah, it's been really fun. I was just telling one of your uh, camera, I was telling one of your cameramen, uh, this is my second year uh, here in this event. So just finally getting to know um, some people here, uh, just being familiar with the event and seeing some familiar faces has been really fun. Just catching up and just having a, a time off of, from training and competing and 
just, just like enjoy the, the time together. Oh yeah. Um, is there a certain athlete around here? You mentioned the Sonics. I know we've got a few notable names from those teams. Uh, anybody that you might be looking to bump elbows with, or you know, interact with, say hi to around uh, any any of the talented individuals here? Um. Last year, I know I, uh, I met Tyler from, from the Seahawks last year, so that was pretty cool. Um, the, the one that was really excited to me and was like all in shock for was the uh, the the Kenyan, I believe. I I hope I'm not mistaken, but like she was the uh, the, the the 12 or maybe she was a teenager. Uh, she was in the hockey team. She was the first black. Yes, yes, uh, with uh, women's pro hockey. Yeah, yes. yeah I, I know what you're talking about. I, yeah, oh, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I'm sorry, but like, yeah. So I was really excited to meet her. I took a picture with her. Mom has to get in. Mom got in the way and told her like, oh, like you have to ask me for permission. <laughs> so and I did. I, I don't know. I was just like super excited to meet her. But um, that whole experience last year with her was, was awesome. And I hope she's doing great. And, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to, to meeting some more uh, her again. And hopefully some other uh Seattle athletes. So, for though, obviously, like I said, we've got a, a good amount of sports teams. What can you say about the fans in the city and the way that they support their teams? You know, whether it's at Starfire supporting you guys, you mentioned the Mariners and the soccer teams. What can you say about Seattle sports fans? Oh, it's not, nothing like it. Uh, I just moved it from here from San Diego just last year, and I've noticed how uh, the support is around every professional athlete. They they, you know, they, they introduce each other and they 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 go to each other's games. Uh, I know a few Seahawks guys came to our games and we've been to their football games, and just just all the the camaraderie around it just it's just so special. Everyone's uh, it's, just a, it's a big uh, family and it makes 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 you feel welcome and just fun to be to be around. Very cool to speak with Martin uh, and Alex at the Seattle Sports Star of the Year Awards hosted by the Seattle Sports Commission. So we now move over to our Seattle Sea Dragons, who got their first win of their of this iteration of the XFL. Uh, some tough. It was a tough one. You know, they're going into it late. Their defense had to get them another late stop to get the ball back. Thankfully, they were able to make the most of that. Uh, Seattle beats. The Vegas Vipers down in Vegas on March 4th, uh, 30-26. to 26, Our play of the game, wide receiver Josh Gordon. Josh, six receptions for 118 yards and two touchdowns, including the eventual, the go-ahead touchdown, the game-winning touchdown. Uh, a big one there, Danucci, Ben Danucci was able to find him. It was a tough one. It was a tough one. You know, I, I mentioned this was a game that was pretty level throughout the the majority of the game itself you know i know they were trading blows it wasn't like someone got out to a lead but seattle had to get the ball back late a, a leave around the two minute mark they were able to do that josh gordon uh was able to haul in a ball a deep deep ball from ben Denucci, um kind of bounced off of a guy and then was able to kind of backpedal backpedal stay in bounds and then find a lane um and put seattle ahead i don't believe they were able to get the conversion um but they were able to hold on and win that game and get their first win um, of 2023. They beat Vegas, so Vegas stays winless. Uh, so one of the winless teams heading into that game had to win, and thankfully it was Seattle. So that was a big one there to see Josh Gordon really blow, break out there, a nice 118-yard game. 
I mean, you have to really like Seattle's pass catchers, right? I mean, you look at Josh Gordon, Jordan Vesey, who caught what should have been the game-winning touchdown last week. Uh, in week two, you know, Jacor Pearson was leading the XFL in reception yards. Um, Blake Jackson's a solid wide receiver option as well. So there, there are some solid pass catchers for this team. And as long as Seattle can cut down their turnover issue, they had two more turnovers in this game. So they've got what eight turnovers in their first three weeks. They're able to cut that down. This is a team that's probably able to win a lot of games. There's third in their division right now in the XFL North. Um, but I, I see positive things. I see positive things from the Sea Dragons uh, so far. So we look uh, to league news on the 27th. The XFL announced an expansive multi-year partnership with Under Armour, uh, in which Under Armour has been named a founding corporate partner of the league. They will provide resources, services, and support for XFL businesses and initiatives. Uh, those include the being the official uniform partner, uh, which was previously announced. Uh, the official sideline apparel partner, performance apparel partner, youth football partner, and preferred footwear partner. So uh, I don't know. I know that, you know, there's a lot of questions with this XFL iteration and hoping that the league will survive and all that. It, it's good to see actual deals being made and not just we're kind of struggle busting our way through, you know, so. We look at upcoming for our Seawolves here. Uh, they sit at a one and two record on the season, third in the XFL North, just ahead of Vegas. Uh, their next matchup is at home, March 11th versus the San Antonio Brahmas. That is a 7 p.m. Pacific time start, um, which is a big one. I mean, you know, I mean, I believe, what was it? I believe that uh, XFL, I believe that San Antonio is actually at the top of the division right now. Anyway, so, oh, wait. No, they are. I am wrong. Uh, they are third in the XFL South. Um, Houston's at the top of that division. And San Antonio is one and two as well. Uh, so hmm, maybe a chance to build some wins there. And who knows? Um, we move over to our Seattle Star of the Week here. And I thought, you know, with just the way that things were going, it was obvious. Jared McCann for becoming the first 30 goal scorer in crack in franchise history. Um you know, it was really important last year, and I don't think I was able to enjoy it as much last year. Um, was Jared's talking about how he wanted to be in the city, wanted to make a commitment to Seattle and liked what the organization was building. Um, and you're seeing some of the early returns on that so far, you know, not only with McCann's performance himself, but also with the success that the Kraken have begun to see this year. And there was a lot of murmur before the trade deadline that, you know, if they don't do this and this, then it's a failure. I think this season is already a success and it's only going to get better for this franchise. It should only get better for this organization. So with that, um, that is the now technically the first week of the month of March. I say it every, every month uh, and throughout the course of every, they got the course of every month that things are flying, but man, it really is. We're really starting to inch our way and, uh, I wouldn't even say inch. We're starting to leap and bound towards the the, uh, the season of spring, uh, which will be a big one for us here at Circling Seattle Sports. So make sure that you check out all that we're doing with whether it's Converge Media, our YouTube channel, and the shorts that we're posting on there, our social medias. Um, there's a lot that we're doing, and we're staying pretty busy. So until we see you next week, I am your host, Charles Hammaker. Do whatever you can to make today a great day.
Converge Media produces culturally relevant content for Black and urban audiences. Our coverage is raw, transparent, and objective, praised by community leaders, government officials, and residents. Support Converge Media today via Venmo, Cash App, or PayPal at Converge Media.